When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to the Conservative Connection with Corn and Crow. This is a message from your producer, Jackson. Unfortunately, we have been facing some technical difficulties for the past few weeks, so we've decided to put out a panel in which Corn and Crow discuss conservative topics with their college, the College of Lake County. And we will be back with you shortly with regular episodes, but for the time being, this is Ask a Conservative. Connection with Corn and Crow. Come on, man. What's going to end up happening is uh, the partisan lines are going to get stronger. I don't think they're going to get weaker, especially within the next year. They're going to get weaker, um, or at least the comparison lines are going to get weaker. It, because what's going to happen is um, as people get more emboldened to stand up for what they believe in, they may believe the polar opposite. But I, I think you raise a very good point that what's ending up happening is that people are so divided among partisan lines, they completely ignore ideas from the other side. There's not a lot of compromise. Um, and I'll be the first to admit that um, I, I have been guilty of that in my past. And I think a lot of people have. But whether or not that is for the strength of the country really depends on how people treat each other. I, I think everybody should treat each other with respect, no matter what side of the political aisle you are on. And it goes in a lot to um, exactly what policies are being endorsed. Um, there are some policies being endorsed, for example, like um, to, to give you an example, uh, in Deerfield uh, a year ago, there was a policy that was enacted on the people, was pushed by Brad Schneider and other people in, in, in Illinois to bring it kind of back to home. Where if you had a gun that had more than 10 rounds, then police would go from door to door trying to collect the gun and try to get it by force. Now, that is a very sharp uh, ideological line, but people have no choice but to push against it because it, their rights are being violated. So I don't think that partisan lines are going to get um, weaker. I think they're going to get stronger. I do think that we need to value ideas of value. I think that we need to contribute and agree with ideas that are good for the country, no matter what side it's coming from. And um, I, I wish we weren't as politically divided, but I, I can't see the future. I can't promise you what, what's what's in store for us. If you, if you have a follow-up, you can. I don't think there's anyone else in line. Yeah. Um, I can't take it, can I? <laughs> um, 
It might have just been a, a misspeak from your part, but at the beginning you said that the lines are going to get weaker, and then at the end you said they were going to get stronger. Sorry, I meant the comparison lines, like the compromise lines are going to yeah. get weaker, and the partisan lines are getting stronger. That's what I meant. Okay, yeah. I see. I apologize. Um, so, follow-up question, not as much weight. Do you think that third parties in America ever have a chance whatsoever? Well, um, I, I identify more as libertarian than Republican, I'll tell you that, but when I see um, when I see Gary Johnson in 2016 being booed because uh, he says that we need licenses to drive cars, it's uh, <laughs> it's not exactly giving me hope. Um, the Libertarian Party, I feel like, could have a chance if they actually promoted themselves on ideological lines and they tackled it. But questions like that were being asked at the 2016. I did watch the 2016 Libertarian debate because I'm a nerd, but. <laughs> The 2016 uh, debate for libertarians didn't have a lot of relevant questions. I think they could if they decided to actually put themselves more into the mainstream, but I think we're going to have a two-party system for a long time. Thank you. Thanks, Nora. All right. Does anybody else have questions? I can come to them. Don't be shy. Yes? So I just wanted to first say thank you guys for what you're doing. I, I'm also conservative and I think that I think everybody should give a round of applause because the fact that they're conservative is the reason we can even have a conversation about the stuff we're having about. It's awesome. It's awesome that we have free speech in this thank country you. and that should be praised. I'm going to open a can of worms. Let's talk about why abortion is morally wrong. Go. So to answer your question, I would say that uh, abortion is morally wrong because we know it's a scientific fact that life begins at conception. Now after you have that basis, you have to follow it up with saying, uh, since every human has fundamental value, who is a politician or a citizen to take away that inherent right? Because either it's inherent or it's not. Um, and the only way to tackle that is to be consistent on all levels and say that life begins at conception and treat all humans equally, no matter what, and uh, eliminate suffering and not the sufferer. You have to help women on all levels of, of their pregnancy, all levels of their uh, life, help them finding jobs, help them carry, uh, carry their children to term. And abortion, the end of abortion would not mean the end of choices. The end of abortion would mean the beginning of uh, a true humanitarian cause and uh, uplifting inherent humanity and what makes us special. Go ahead. You want to talk on that? So, the thing about abortion is that with abortion, there is a scientific consensus that life begins at conception. Forty different medical textbooks, including developing human, will tell you uh, the same. The reason why it is morally um, is morally unacceptable to a pro-life is because you cannot take somebody's innocent human life from them. It, it is always wrong. If you always take if you take an innocent human life, it is always wrong. A lot of people use the "my body, my choice" argument. The problem with that is that it, if you were to apply that to a different scenario, it would not hold up. For example, if a woman who is eight months pregnant goes up to a bartender and she orders a, a vodka, she will not get that vodka from the bartender. Why? Because it is not her body that is only being affected, and the bartender knows that inherently, which is what makes it illegal. Except if you're in New York. Now. 
well. It's a very relevant question, the question that you brought up, especially considering in May of this year, we had a repeal um, that was signed into law by J.B. Pritzker that actually allowed partial birth abortion bans. And whether or not you believe that life begins at birth, even if you're on the pro-choice side, I think most people would find that action reprehensible. But um, the, the problem is that uh, a lot of people start to shout and they don't actually get into the, the meat of the issue, which is when does life begin? And it's always going to come back to that question. No matter what approach you approach it from, it will always come back to when does life begin. And if you have a consensus of, of when life begins, then taking an innocent human life is always wrong. Hello, thank you for speaking. I would like to know what are some of the barriers for working your way out of poverty? Do you think anyone can do it? And uh, uh, what has a party do we do to remove those barriers? All right, uh, I'll take this. Cool? Okay, um, so with, with the guy that I wanted to actually elaborate on what he was saying, but I wasn't sitting down on the panel at the time, um, he, he was asking a question about how do you expect people to pull themselves out of poverty if their past has been so skewed, right? They're, they're not at the right level that other people started at. Well, that's why conservatives believe in capitalism, because capitalism is the way to pull people from poverty. No other system ever in the history of the world has done anything better than capitalism as far as pulling people out of poverty. So we, we need, that's why conservatives are actually, um, you know, very in favor of making free markets, uh, letting people make their own decisions with uh, their own money. And because we as conservatives actually believe that people will make the best decisions with their money, the government is not going to do that. So the misconception about, oh, you know, I had a bad past and I need the government now to kind of bring me to that level, it doesn't work like that. It just it just doesn't work, and it hasn't worked like that because they've been trying this social experiment for 50, 60 years now, and it's horrible. It's just a bad idea. So um, I, I think that's why conservatives are so content with making free markets and not having all these regulations on people because that's exactly what it does. It just brings you down and it never brings you back up because they'll, they'll give you enough money to get food. They'll give you enough money to buy diapers. They'll give you enough money to get, uh, have gas and go back and forth to work, but that's it. There's, there's nothing, you don't get anything else from the government because the government does, just doesn't know how to distribute money and they're horrible at it. So. Do you mind if I had to that. So scientifically speaking, um, data has proved this that, and I know this is a relevant topic for a lot of people here, I'm not um, a wealthy guy by any means, um, but the best way that you can get out of poverty according wait, to wait, wait, wait. data. Wait, 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 you're not wealthy? No. You're white. You, shouldn't you be wealthy? White privilege doesn't pay my bills, man. But um, anyway, so to get out of uh, poverty, three steps that you can do, graduate high school, don't have kids until you're married, get a job. Three things. If you do that, your chances of being in the middle class and upper middle class skyrocket. 98%. Oh, really? You know the study? 98% from the Brookings Institution, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, that was the source. I can remember. Thank you. Yeah, all right. Thank you for speaking. Thank you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. My question has to do with you constantly bring up scientifically proven evidence of yes. abortion. Yes. I want to turn that on its head and say, what about the scientifically proven evidence that climate change is undeniably man-made by 97, 98% of scientists who are studying the global climate? How can you deny 
how can you say abortion, a life in conception, is scientifically proven to start at conception because of a scientific consensus, and yet climate change is because also has a climate. Are you, a, are you asking me specifically? Oh, I'm asking anybody. Anybody. Who okay, I'm so, going to give this to Rob. Yeah, Rob wants to okay, this. so so why we believe that conception start or life starts at conception? Because the, right, right. The, the the scientific consensus is actually real for for um, for for life starting at conception. It's not real for for, uh, what, for climate what change. Defined? It's only about 1,500 scientists who actually believed in the 98% consensus on climate change being man-made. So right. So yeah. there's there's millions of scientists in this world, and there is no specific climate change scientist. You can't study climate change when you go to school. It's it's different types of scientists, right? There's there's meteorologists, etc., right? That study this in a whole. So when when you you ask 1,500 scientists and they all agree that climate change is real, you're not asking every scientist, are you? But you're asking every scientist who studied this phenomena of climate. Okay, so can I... Right, can and I, not I, all of them agree. I'm, I'm only telling you that only, when they, when they made the consensus poll, it was only, only 1,500 scientists. Do you do you know how that study was conducted? Because I've heard there's, it so much. There's so many studies. No, 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 right, no. Exactly. There's specific so studies, studies that 99% agree. It was 98%. 98% agree. Do you know how the study was conducted? I'm asking the question. Yeah. Of I course know not. how the 3% who disagreed, how their studies were conducted. No, no. do you know how the study to get the 98% consensus was factored? Because that, you know, it has to come from a specific study. It yeah, I come. mean, it doesn't just come from one study. Okay. That's why there's a variation of 96 to 98%. Well, okay, but what's, what source specifically is the 98%? Because I can tell you how it's, the study was conducted. It's a general knowledge. Okay, so... This specific study that says that 98% of these climate uh, change scientists went through, what they did was they sat people who are not actually climate change scientists, but actually another name for, it, it was like science uh, environmentalists uh, with, with concerns or something like that. I don't know the specific, whether or not that author was was mentioning or talking about the science of climate change, and then they used that as a study to say 98% agree. And it's a really faulty study. But then how do you justify, as we see in the past five years, all these record-breaking climate change happenings, that there's more extreme weather, there's more uh, class five hurricanes, there's more extreme weather conditions, like we had here in the summer, it broke like 120 degrees Fahrenheit here. Yeah. How can you justify that? That isn't a result of man-made climate change when all this, when there are so many studies saying that the carbon we are putting out in the atmosphere is causing our climate to change. Well, again, scientific consensuses do change over time. In fact, in the 1970s, it was considered global cooling. There were entire documentaries with Leonard Nimoy, who again, I know because I'm a nerd, um, Dr. Spock, for those of you who aren't aware, was narrating documentaries talking about how the world was going to freeze over. And they were talking about a new ice age that was going to occur. And that was, that was again, a large portion of the scientists from Brown University and others who have a, had a very large consensus. Everybody agreed on it. And then it switched to global warming completely. So just because a scientific consensus is made does not mean scientific consensus do not change over time. Also, um, like I do want to engage with you because you're obviously passionate about the subject and you know a lot. Do you believe that it's credible that they say that the world is going to end in 10 years? They don't say the world is going to well, end in tears. Bill Life Nye as does. we know it is going to end relatively soon. 10 to 12. Life as we know it. Okay. Because 
of how the global infrastructure is going to have to change with the changing climate. Okay. So they claimed a few years ago that there would be 50 million climate refugees from Pacific Islands um, flooding the West, and there's not. They claimed that by the year 2000, the ice caps were going to melt, and they haven't. Bill Nye, AOC, and others agree that the world is going to end in 12 years, and it's not. There's all this scientific consensus you mentioned about rising sea levels in Florida. Why isn't there in in the real estate plans any coverage for cause like damage caused by global warming? How am I supposed to believe that Barack Obama and these people actually believe that this is going to happen if he's going to buy a mansion on seafront property? Why does Al Gore have mansions near the beach if he really thinks sea levels are rising? Like I I'm trying to look for it, but there's been so many predictions, and the things that I said, like the 50 million, that's not just some random number. Those are from like NASA and NOAA and professional scientists, yeah. and they said California would be flooded with inland seas by now. Yeah, so how am I supposed to trust politicized. those? It's, it's very politicized, right? So at first it started off, like we said, global cooling, right? Then it turned into global warming, right? And now it's just climate change. Yeah, we know. Climate changes. How can you argue with that? How can you argue with that? Honestly, like it's obviously a politicized issue, right? And now you have people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez coming out talking about we should get rid of all cars and all cow farts and let, let's, let's tax everybody at 90% because this is somehow gonna change the economy and help us deal with climate change. It's all just a bunch of bull. Here's the thing, we it's need to crap. we need to focus like on climate change, we need to take it off politics and we need to say what proposals will actually lower the climate and by what degree, but very rarely do I ever hear how a proposal is going to lower the climate. Like, I think that it's something that should be looked into and I think we should look at the science. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm saying that it's become so politicized that very few people are willing to believe it and then we have to separate the politics from the science. But it is a valid concern. Definitely. Thank you. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot a little bit. Go ahead, bring it so on. I agree with you about, pro, about being pro-life, but how do you morally re reconcile being pro-life and being pro-Second Amendment? I'm confused by the question. Okay, so theoretically, if you are for guns, then you are for people killing each other, right? So no. no, hold on, hold on. I'm saying, I, I'm go, I, how about this? I'm going to give you the points, right? And so I'm going to well, go. So let me, fin let me finish. Okay. Okay. Here, be, before you, you I will let you finish. Right, you, you I just me. want to tell you what I don't want. I don't want a data dump of all these things, and then I try to pick out one. I'm so not, you can give I, me I, one, I, and I'll address it, and then we'll move on, and I'll engage you. Does this sound fair? Well, not really, because it's like a logical progression to get. To just let him finish. Okay. I'll let him finish. Okay. So. So here we go. So pro-life means that you think that all life matters, right? Yes. Which I agree with. And I'm kind of being argumentative, but I don't mean to be. No, 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 you're fine. So the Second Amendment says that the right to bear arms shall not be abridged. Yes. Right? So the right to bear arms says that it may not be abridged. That means that anyone should be able to own arms. And not anyone. Uh, but continue, I, continue, you, continue. You can, I'll let you go after it, right? And then... Theoretically, now this is where I'm not sure if it's clear or not on this part, but that anyone who can own arms should be able to own whatever arms they want to. 
And so if you say that anyone can own arms and anyone can own any arms that they want to, then you wind up having like this Wild West episode going on, right? That kind of a thing. And so if the Second Amendment does lead to a Wild West thing where people are like what willy-nilly killing each other, how can you reconcile that with the other? Is that clear enough? Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Okay, and, and you can stay if you'd like to engage because I, you know, I did interrupt you a few times. I apologize no, no, for that. that, that I just, I, yeah, again, I want to engage with you. So the idea is that if you, if you are for the Second Amendment, you are for anybody having guns, and I believe that's what you said. I am not for anybody having guns. I am for law-abiding citizens having guns. There is a difference. There's a reason why when, when you get out of prison, if you have a bad record, you can't have a gun. I would not say, let's give a rapist a gun. I would not say that. Um, to get to your point about the Wild West, um, you'd say we shouldn't go back to, to the Wild West. Um, I, I want to address that narrative. Technically, we already are. There are more than 300 million guns. There are more guns than people. A lot of people in the United States are armed, much more than Canada, much more than Australia, much more than any other country in the world. Now, actually, it, it was so said at this point that a Canadian debate in the 90s, a pro, um, pro uh, gun control, like he wanted to seize all the guns, very radical candidate said, I would love to seize all, seize all the guns in the United States, but there's no way to do it logically. There's no way to take it away. Now, to get to your, um, what, was, what was the other point? You said um, that you're for guns killing people. According to the CDC, 500,000, up to 3 million lives are saved every year by guns. Now, here's the thing about guns. When we look at the gun homicides, the policies that are in place that talk about it are actually very true. So if you look at guns, two-thirds of the gun homicides in the United States are counted as suicide. No other country does that, but it racks up the numbers. Now, when you say, uh, for like, for Second Amendment, I just want to, because I don't want to misrepresent you, right? Are, do you think we should enact um, policies to take away people's um, guns and are they specific guns are like what exactly is your policy and then I'll engage you I'll engage you from there okay so I'm gonna let you know that I was kind of giving you a chance to reconcile the two because my policy is that the Second Amendment needs to be defended unless the people want to change it does that make sense so it, so so if the people in the constitutional way, which is a, a pre preponderance of people in the United States, think that the, that, the, that the amendment should be changed, then I'm for them going for the chance to do that. Does that make sense? That but sense. With, the second base, with, with the Second Amendment being where it is and what it states, I think that it's the job of any person who takes an oath to support the Constitution of the United States to not make laws that go against the Constitution of the United States. So what you're proposing is actually uh, very, very moderate. It's a, little, it's a little radical when it comes to gun control if you are saying that it's all guns. Are you saying that it's all guns? I just want to clarify. I, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Are you saying that all guns in the United States should be taken from citizens? Like I'm God, no. The Second Amendment says that the right to bear to the right to bear arms shall not be abridged. Okay. So I think that the only time that we should be abridging the right is if they've broken the social contract already, or if we find that they don't have the uh, mental ability to be able to use them in a peaceable way. Right. 
But I would I would actually agree with that. I, I don't think that. I know it, that's uh, why I was saying I was putting you on the spot because oh, a lot of people who hear okay. us say that we're pro-life, yeah, then they come right away and they attack us for why are you for the Second Amendment again? So I right. figured I'd let you explain that. Yeah. So so because guns actually save more lives than they take, according to the CDC and the government, I don't think that saying that you are pro-Second Amendment means you can't be pro-life. Um, a, a gun like the the, the the purpose of a gun is to, to neutralize a threat. The thing about guns is I'm not going to lie and say that guns um, can't kill people. Obviously they can. They're, they're made to uh, kill animals and kill human beings. But at the same time, they save more lives than they take because people use them defensively. And the defensive use of a firearm completely gets taken out. For some reasons, people think that every person who owns a gun is a criminal. And that is not true. But in but, doing yeah, in doing so, me, yeah, I want to add a little bit to that because I kind of understand what you're saying. So like the um, like abortion is an intentional killing of a human being, right? Shooting somebody intentionally is also evil, right? And I think that both of those things are evil, right? So when when a woman decides to have an abortion and that baby is not attacking her body, it's not putting her in danger, and she just decides to have an abortion just out of pure inconvenience, like, I don't think that that's the same as you with a gun at your home defending yourself with somebody trying to attack you. You know what I mean? So like, that, that's kind of just my take on it, but I understand your question and kind of do that. But that's how I reconcile it, you know? Cool. Makes sense. Thank you. I'd like to add a little bit more of that if you want to stick around to here. Um, I want to say that it's philosophically consistent to uphold the values of life, liberty, and property at the same time. They're both, in, they all three are inherent and they all pre-exist government. And when, and that's why there are rights and duties. If you have a right, you also have a duty to uh, act according to a strict moral um, compass that was uh, present at the founding of the nation. And so when you have a strict moral compass, you're not going to go out and kill people for the sake of killing people. You're not going to act out in an evil manner. So upholding all three are philosophically consistent with each other, life, liberty, and property. I agree, and thank you. Thank you. Yep. Okay, thank you for the question. Appreciate it. Hi, right, what's your name? Uh, I have a question concerning abortion, and it's not about uh, where life begins or anything like Just that. Say your name, please. Uh, my name is Matthew. Thank okay. you. Hi, Matthew. Uh, my question is: Is there any circumstance where abortion should be allowed and should be legal, or do you want to ban abortion outright? Uh, because in 2012, uh, the case of Sabita Halapanavar in Ireland, uh, she requested an abortion uh, for medical septic miscarriage. Uh, so I'm just asking, is there a medical Shauna? reason, uh, in that? your opinion, that should be valid for abortion? You know what, actually Shauna has a really good answer on this question. Wait, wait did you say what? You oh guys, yeah. You guys should go down the line in each, because I'm sure everybody has different views on it. Shauna, can you answer that? Please? Everyone should answer though. I, I will answer after Shauna and then Cameron will answer it. Yeah, let's start down the line. Why don't you start, Rob? Okay. Um, I, I do believe, even though I am very pro-life, I do believe that if a woman's life is in danger, that she should have the right to decide whether she can get rid of the child or not. Um, so that's that's like my only exception with that. Um, I have had I have had a cousin who has also had uh, she had preeclampsia, and she had two children at um, one at 22 weeks and one at 23 weeks. So I don't believe that. Uh, 
you know, every abortion should be okay. And I do believe that birth can be induced and then, you know, these children can live, right? Um, so, and we kind of talked about this during the abortion panel a little bit where um, doctors have said, right, like, you're, you're not going to, baby's not going to make it, uh, it's too early, you should just abort the baby. And then the baby is actually, they decide not to have an abortion and the, and the baby lives, right? So there's a lot of doctors out there that will tell you certain things and it's hard to see those kind of things, but I think that we should definitely invest more money into the fact that we should be making not not thinking about killing the children. We should think of, we should be thinking about how can we make these children live, right? And I think that that's where we should invest our money into, as far as in, inside of the medical field. So, so for me, can everyone hear me really quick? Okay, good. So for me, I think abortion should be outlawed to an extent, almost completely. The thing that you hear that, oh, the woman was raped or it's incest, the thing is, why should we be punishing the kid for the sins of the father that committed these atrocious acts? And we do uh, castrate, imprison, and at some points give the death penalty to the rapist or to whoever wrongfully impregnated uh, the woman. If is such a small case, it is less than a percent of abortions. Why should that be the cause? And why should the father, if it's, if it's the inconvenience of the mother, why should the father not have an option? And you hear all the times, oh, no, no uterus, no opinion, or whatever. Thing is, that's basically giving fathers consequence, no consequences for sex thing is we should give we should protect innocent life and that's what we should do that's what all pro-lifers do we should protect innocent life the thing is if it's a medical case yeah but that's so small that we shouldn't base them all base abortion laws all on that and that's my two cents can I, can I add something real quick well we're going down the line okay so Okay, so you said you wanted to add to that before we continue? Yes. You can. Right, I just want to say, it's not, um, it's a rephrasing, I think, that needs to be clarified. It's not really punishing the child in cases of rape, it's punishing the mother for denying her the choice to abort or not abort the case of rape. Uh, it's a burden to that entire mother to carry the reminder of that rapist for nine months within her. The thing is, why she should get, she can give it up her kid for adoption. That but is until an option. Then, that is an option. I agree. And if the mother is uh, capable of doing that, I'd I'd say go for it. But yeah, uh, because she I, she wouldn't be capable of it because that's an everyday reminder of the rape that happened. It's a rapist seed growing inside of you. I don't understand why you would want to deny. Okay, like deny women don't need you choice. to make choices for them. Because that's what yeah, you're doing right now, right? Right. That's that's what you're doing, right? I'm just so, my opinion. So, right now, yeah, I'm doing. exactly, exactly. Hey, so, Rob. I, I hey, mean, Rob. when you say, like, oh, you know, like, if a woman gets raped and, and she has to be pregnant, she's just going to be horrible and miserable her whole life. Like, who are you to tell women that they're going to be horribly... of the rape. What's that? I'm just saying it's a constant reminder of the rape while that fetus is incubating. It, it constant reminder? How? What, what, what if it's not? Are, are, are you still against it? I'm not saying 100% of cases that it is. There are mothers out there who are willing to carry a child who is a product of rape to full... Uh, hey, Rob, to carry them entirely, can I elaborate on this? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so 
to, to if, unless you still want me to answer your first question, otherwise I will move on to the second. Uh, speak freely, yeah. Okay, uh, which, which would you prefer me answer first? Uh, first things first. Yeah. First things first, okay. So, is there ever an exception where I believe that an abortion should take place and that includes not just the medical pr process of abortion, but just um, all, all things on the table, just ending the, the life is what I would call it. Cancer. If a woman has cancer and she needs chemotherapy to live, this has happened with Dana Scatton, a Christian woman who denied chemotherapy. And then she ended up dying while having her kid. She gave her life for a kid, which is very honorable um, and a beautiful thing. But at that point, you are you are choosing a life. So I would not say that the mother who has cancer doesn't want to keep her kid, but she understands that if she doesn't get chemo, she might die. That would be my answer. I did uh, an abortion paper, um, and I had to find an area where I would disagree. So I guess the other question would be, why would I be against it for somebody who was raped? And the question goes, always goes back to, as I said previously, it always goes back to when does life begin? If you consider it a life, it changes everything. Like I, I, I'll want to take this scenario and put it on myself. So let's say that I am married. Um, I'm not. I'm single. But let's say that I'm. Let's. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I'm. I'm single. Let's say that I met. I met the woman of my dreams. I got married. Terrible thing happens one day. That woman is raped. My wife is raped. Now, we go in. We figure out who did it. Best case scenario, we lock him away. We he gets the death penalty. Whatever. We move on. Then the doctor says to me, okay, we're going to do a test. We're going to see if it's the rapist baby or it's going to see if it's my baby, right? Then the doctor gets back to me and my wife and says, good news, it's your kid. You don't have to worry about it. The kid is born. We're both happy. Then all of a sudden, I get a call. And the doctor says, I'm so sorry. We made a mistake. It's the rapist kid. Now, can I end that life? See, it's a different question when you see, view it as a life. I would give it up for adoption, but it is not my right to end the life, and it is not my wife's right to end the life. That is why I'm against abortion for rape, because I consider it a life, and I consider every life equal. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you for sharing your opinion. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Hey, we, have, we have one more comment on that. I'm sweating. <laughs> If you want to stick around and listen, I was going to say something. Oh, um, go ahead. So for, for the healthcare aspect, it's never standard medical procedure to... Sorry, go keep going. It's, it's never standard medical procedure to um, consider an abortion to be the, the first line of, of uh, care for the woman. And in fact, it's hardly healthcare at all. That's why the doctors treat women and children as two separate patients they're two separate people. And for the uh, other aspect about rape and, and um, extreme minority cases for abortion, it, it does go back to when life begins. Um, because if, if you fail to acknowledge when life begins, none of us have an inherent value or an inherent right to life. 
so if if you have to be consistent, you have to be consistent on the side of life and eliminate the suffer or excuse me, eliminate the suffering, eliminate crime and criminals, and that's when justice will be served and, and not when you are eliminating uh, a child in the womb. Thank you. Thanks. Go ahead, I'll give you your question. I know we like to elaborate on things because it's, yeah, it's touchy subjects. What's your name? Oh, um, I'm Jesus. Jesus, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you guys too, and thank you for what you guys are doing. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just see like a, like a big problem with the country. Like, I think we are divided. Um, you know, so like, why do you guys label yourself as conservative? Like, I don't label myself as a liberal. I'll go on this. Um, so why do we label ourselves as conservative? So I, I kind of talked about this earlier with somebody in the crowd that um, I guess everybody wants better health care, right? Everybody wants a better home. Everybody wants more money in their pocket. There's just two different ways of getting there, right? Uh, conservatives believe that the free market is the best way to get there as far as getting a new home and getting a new house. Um, you know, uh, liberals believe that we can tax everybody to death and raise our taxes and, th and that's going to somehow make people richer. Well, the evidence that goes along with that is just not true as far as, you know, on the left, right? Uh, raising taxes and, and uh, you know, taxing people through oblivion is not the way to create growth. It's not a way to create wealth. That's not how you do it, right? Because if that was really true, why don't we just tax people at 100% and just have eternal growth from, you know, forever, right? Because it's just not true, right? So that so conservatives kind of believe in certain things and I believe liberals believe in certain things. I think that we just have facts to back it up and they don't. And, and the, 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 the label conservative, the label conservative, we, the, we, we, you know, identify with that because it, it, it is what we believe in, right? It's, it's a, it's a term that represents all of our beliefs. And in a time that's very, as divisive, I'd say you would think, why, you know, why would you want to, you know, put a label on yourself? Do you like, doesn't that divide? But in my opinion, we're, we, we, our intention here is not to divide. Our intention here is to stand up for our beliefs and our views. And unfortunately, um, there are groups today uh, who seek to divide. Um, and so we want to stand for our beliefs, but others want to divide us. So it's not that we're trying to divide, it's that we're trying to stand for our beliefs while others are trying to divide us. And Rob touched on this um, before the panel started. We've experienced this on campus and it's, um, you know, we, we believe that we have, you know, a right to say our beliefs and speak our beliefs openly without, uh, you know, you know, with without you know being in trouble for that, and so um, that's that we want to stand stand for those beliefs as a group, and you know, yeah. So unless Alex, did you want to go? Okay, yeah, outspoken. I will not say that my beliefs will never change because I always give myself the option. In some areas, I'm actually more liberal. When it comes to art, I'm more liberal. When it comes to how I was raised, you people would consider me more conservative. The problem becomes when you believe that people who are of a certain background should not have a voice, should not speak, are dumb or all stupid because they believe that. Like I don't, I don't believe that all the left is um, is disingenuous. I believe some of them, like I, I believe most politicians in general, are just disingenuous. But I don't believe people who ascribe to a certain belief or disingenuous. I don't think you're disingenuous because you say you might lean more liberal. I don't think somebody who has a problem with the country might might be disingenuous. But the, 
the problem is in questioning that, saying those people shouldn't speak, saying those people shouldn't have a voice, and, and trying to demean people for what they believe. I don't think in the United States, unless it's something completely abhorrent, that you should be demeaned for what you believe. And that's really where the political divide comes from. It's from not only believing that people are wrong, but some, some people even believe that if you hold a different viewpoint than me or you, that they're evil, and that is wrong. That's where the political divide comes from. Um, I, I'm kind of uh, more of a fan of, of thinking that conservatives are actually more liberal because definitions are uh, skewed. Uh, liberals today are actually leftist uh, and borderline or full-on Marxist, actually. Um, so conservatives agree with the philosophy of liberty and freedom, so uh, that's why I like to think of us more like philosophical liberals, and, and we're only conservatives in the sense that we want to go back to what 1776 meant or when, or uh, what the founders meant when they drafted the Constitution and uh, signed it. Okay, we only have 10 minutes left, so I'm going to keep it moving. Okay, keep going. Thank but you. thank Thanks. you for the question. Thanks, Jesus. Appreciate it. I mean, really fast. I mean, like, you guys, like, point out the enemies, like, I mean, the enemy. It's like the Marxist, the leftist. <clears throat> In a library is like the most socialistic thing we could have. Like we could go in there with no money and get a book. I got this laptop rented with no money. <laughs> you know that's pretty socialist. You know we we need that kind of safety net for each yeah, other. But that doesn't we, mean that it's a good program for the country, right? So like, well, no, the, hold on. We need to the, thrive that together though. Like, well, under, understand. Nobody nobody thinks we don't that. need to thrive. Right, right. Yeah. But so, how is it not a good program for the country? Like, so, how is free education well, because, not? Okay, a good so so for example, right, the post office, right is a federally funded organization, right? They lost $30 million last year. Is that a good thing? No, that's horrible, right? <laughs> it's bad. So, and if you go down the line of government entities that we fund every single year, they're all horrible. They, they don't know how to distribute money. They're just bad at their job. And that's why conservatives believe that we should be doing it. We know what to do with our money. It doesn't mean that just because we take that program away, that doesn't mean you're not going to get a laptop ever again. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to walk into somewhere and rent a book. Right. It, no, it's just the fact that you want the government running it or do you want honest people running it? I mean, like, when I think of the government, I think of, like, social, like groups coming together for the sake of justice, for the sake of liberty, you know? The so same thing with churches. Right, well, right. Churches you know do the same I mean? thing. But like, you know, I mean, Big Brother can't protect me, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, I don't rely on police to protect me. I would protect myself. Good for you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, I mean, you should. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, like if I was pro-gun, I would, you know, carry a gun. Protect myself. Protect other I'd people. I'd advise that you for the sake one. For the sake of justice, for the sake of, for, for each other. Yeah, yeah, I understand you. Right. So it's like, you know, like here we are, just going at it, you know, um, I mean, just there's this, this I, problem. Like, I think this country is one of the most extreme forms of capitalists. Like, once they make it on top, they oh. want to maintain their position and, and they'll do anything. Well, see, that's it. that's different because that's uh, cronyism. Cronyism does not equate to free market capitalism. And I just like to say free markets, right? I don't like uh, constant control. Hey, Rob, can, can we do a favor? Can we extend this by maybe like just 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, if you hurry yeah, up. Yeah, 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 because we, okay, if I hurry up. <laughs> okay, so. 
I like track records, right? I like I like data. I like um, just looking at other countries. I can't see a major company that's implied socialism on a massive scale according to the Marxist tenets of socialism that has ever worked. It doesn't have a very good track record, in my opinion. Like the closest that the closest country right now to just give you an idea about the, the Marxist view of socialism, not the current views, just the Marxist view of socialism. The closest country that comes close to meeting all tenets of socialism that Karl Marx lays out in his manifesto is Venezuela, right now. Not as it was, but right now. But that, to answer your question, yeah. I, I like track records. We have the greatest economy that's lifted more people out of poverty than any other system in the, in, ever, in any country. And I, I think that, um, to put it lightly, I don't like the idea of financial equality as much as I like the idea of fa financial mobility, that you can improve yourself if you are in a bad situation versus everybody has an equal amount of money. And, and there's this also this misconception, right? Like, leftists get into government, especially, like, for example, insurance in our state, right? They put a bunch of regulations on our, how you purchase health insurance in our state, and then the whole system collapses, and then people turn around and blame capitalism for it. It's like, stop putting the regulations on capitalism, and it would work out the way it's supposed to. And, and that's what it is, you know? If you take a micro or macroeconomics class in, inside of the school, they will tell you the best way to fix externalities that are wrong inside of capitalism is to let the market work itself out. That's what you're supposed to do. Yes, there's a, there's not going to be a perfect system that's going to give every single person, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. It's just not possible. Right. I mean, I just don't think like uh, you know, like Amazon Jeff Bezos. That's his name. Uh, yeah, Jeff Bezos. Yes, yeah. I don't think he'll buy like billion pairs of shoes. I think they only like if it goes to the people, billions billions of shoes will be bought. The market will grow from there. You well, know? well there, there's also this misconception about capitalists being greedy. So, like, greedy, being greedy isn't always a bad thing. Like, if you're a business owner and you want to create a product that is best for everybody and you're greedy because you want their business, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Gr great. Make good products that I will come back and buy every single week or every single month or every single year. That doesn't make you a greedy person because you want to serve other people with good products, yeah. right? So, so when you talk about greed, you're really talking about like people who are are you know uh, making a lot of money and they're not redistributing it to their to their employees for doing the work that they do, uh, things like that, right? But you can't always say like, oh, just because Amazon is big now, they're all of a sudden greedy and they're not paying everybody fifteen dollars an hour. Because right, we the people pay taxes. You know they don't pay taxes, right? No, they do pay taxes. Absolutely. I, I mean, dude, I hear. Damn. Here, here's, you don't I think you don't think Amazon I mean, pays maybe taxes? It's, maybe it's my brainwashing Marxist <laughs> professors. It but, absolutely you know, is. Because this is what I, they'll tell you in every I mean, single class when so, you go dude, into I, the school. You know, I mean, yeah, I appreciate your time, you know, and like I, I hope like, you know, as the minimum wage increases that we uh, still have the margin of higher pay for the people that train for these jobs that got, you know, that work yeah. for it. But, you know, um, so thank you. And I hope uh, we do. I, I have faith in the future. I do not you know. I think this country was <laughs> stolen from natives, built on slaves, maintained by immigrants. But I hope we, we change this. I hope we still have these things. And, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you.
Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for the question. Okay. Oh, she's been waiting for a while. She, yeah, but I want to get to her. Like before we say anything about the last comment, let's answer your question. What's your name? Ed. Oh, sorry. These are our last two questions. Everybody, just so everybody knows. Okay. Well, uh, I think I think we could add one more. Could we add one more? These, no, last two. Last okay. These are our last. Two. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Quick. Hi, I'm Diana. Hi, Diana. Um, what is your name in the middle? My name's Andreas. Andreas? Yes, Diana. Nice to meet so, you. So, um, earlier you said for the question about climate change that a scientific consensus can change, correct? Yes. My question is, can't we say the same for abortion? See, that's the thing is, oh, is that the end of your question? I don't want to cut you off. I also have more. Go ahead. Making abortion unavailable to women will not make abortion go away. Dangerous methods like coat hangers, for example, will still occur. Women will turn to unsanitary and unsafe methods of, methods of abortion. In a perfect world, there would be more education about abortion and women's health, including myself wanting to be more knowledgeable. How can we be sure that the men in power making these choices are properly educated? That's a very good question. So. I want to address the first thing that you said, uh, scientific uh, consensus has changed. This is true. The, um, but right now, the popular opinion, not the scientific consensus, is what drives the narrative. So people don't go based off the scientific consensus of when life begins. They go off when they think life begins or what they personally believe. But there's not a lot of consensus on the pro-choice scale. You mentioned that... Um, uh, what I've heard from even pro-lifers that they're afraid of if they ban abortion that they're going to have uh, coat hangers and... and it's not true. Yeah, but here's the thing. The doctor who created the all basically all the statistics on abortion and ab on self-abortion, Dr. Bernard Nathanson from NARAL admitted that they could not find a single statistic on it, so they actually had to create and manufacture the statistics. So it's really hard to even dive into that data because every single statistic on that has been pr proven to be false. They couldn't even find one. Now, across the world, that's different. That's why whenever a pro-choicer steps up and asks a question on it, they usually quote a world study or another country study. In the United States, self-abortion is very, very rare. I think the last documented case of, of self-abortion that actually went to a, a court system was maybe 1599. And also, women aren't being jailed for abortions. The only two cases that, ha that happened was in 1911 and, and 1922. So um, just to go back to what your other question was about scientific consensus has changed, Roe versus Wade was established in 1978. It's not functioning on current science. It's, it's functioning on past science. But people's consensuses have stayed the same over time, even though the scientific consensus says otherwise. I think Roe versus Wade needs to be updated to current science, to what we currently have. And that's why I believe that that will help. As far as self-abortions, though, there's not any data that would show that it would go up or rise because, again, all the statistics on that were manufactured. And I really wish that they weren't because I would have liked to see study to further analyze that. But then that shows you that if, if it's not true that they had to create this, uh, the statistic, that, that the argument isn't backed up by evidence. So I think Roe versus Wade should be brought into the current era. I think it should be updated with the current science and I also believe that just like heat used to be considered a substance and now scientists consider it a quantity a human life a scientific consensus on what a human life is should determine our policies not people's opinions but thank you for the question I appreciate it um, unless you want to elaborate and how I, your second question was how do we make sure that people are educated right that people are in the, making those kind of laws I think that no person that cares about life 
doesn't know about scientific data relating to life. Like, they just don't. Like, n nobody is getting elected in government and being like, I know nothing about abortion and I'm just gonna make a huge law about it. Yeah, that would be really cool. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Like, they know what they're talking about. Pro-lifers, we study this a lot more than pro-choicers do. Pro-choicers just run around and scream, my body, my choice, and keep your rosaries away from my ovaries and all these crazy lines, right? Like, we're actually looking at data, like scientific data. We study it all the time. Conservatives really, and, and you won't ever see many conservatives out, you know, inside of government who is are this, gonna is be. Is this how you make a point by putting down the opposite party? I'm sorry? Oh, I'm not putting you no, down. No, no, he's just, not putting you down. No, Your question is a good one because a lot no. of people have it. It was an intelligent right. question, and you deserve I, praise for it. I, I'm not putting it down. I just think it's silly. No, no, he didn't. You know what I mean? Like, you I think, think the whole that, thing is just silly. You know what I mean? So I, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying that people that, who are studying this stuff, like that are in government and wanting to make laws relating to abortion, like they're, they're not just people who decided to wake up tomorrow morning and, and say like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna make a law about that. It's, they're just, they just don't do that. Yes. So she's talking about her as an everyday citizen. How does she get informed about her choices? Uh, right. So, and also as far as abortion goes and wanting to ban it, what about, People who are financially unstable. What about young couples who are not ready to have a baby? Why would you force them to go through and cause not damage, but cause their lives to change? Because it's our lives too. Right. Well, I, hey, Rob, I don't think. I, I don't think. One? Yeah. I, don't, I just don't. Yeah. Let me answer real quick. I just don't. I don't think that you should be worrying about your financial status after you've had sex and got pregnant. I think it's irresponsible. It really is. I mean, no matter how you look at it, right? If you're if you're thinking about, oh no, I'm 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 pregnant now. Oh wait, we can't pay our light bills. Like, why are you thinking about that now? Like, why why didn't you think about the poverty situation before you had sex and got pregnant? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what we should be promoting. But now, what if it was consensual and there was birth control and birth control failed? Are you saying that we should just abstain from sex? Well, if you're living in poverty, I don't think that sex is something that should be focused on. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just shouldn't, right? You shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be thinking about that at the time, right? Like, that, that's my point, is like, why are you thinking about poverty after the fact that you get pregnant? And you know Rob, what I mean? Like, Rob, I wanted to say ahead. something really quick. Sure. Um, you, you started off by talking about the uh, scientific consensus of, of uh, climate change versus um, ab abortion and human life. Um, the the consensus changed be, be, on climate change because uh, it's such a large topic and it's something that has to be observed over a very long period of time. Whereas uh, human life is something uh, that has been uh, proven since the advent of cell theory in the mid uh, to late 1800s and uh, it's stayed consistent since then. And it's only been uh, our knowledge of when human life begins and what human life means in the womb has only improved in the last 200 years. I, I mean, I'd also like to point out that you, I, I want to bring the, the question. First of all, great question. Thank you for, for, thank you for asking your question. Um, I want to bring it back to when, when does life begin? Um, and if we, you know, we can recognize that life begins at conception. It doesn't matter the 
about you know it, it, it it's a life and so if it doesn't matter those you know the you know the circumstances outside of the womb what matters is that there's a life um, and that life deserved deserves to be protected and I also want to bring up that not just men are signing you know abortion bills you know into law there's also in Alabama Governor Kay Ivey signed one into law so it's not just men making the decision many many women also that's one of the strictest laws too yeah. that, a, that a woman a governor from Alabama signed into law it was one of the strictest abortion laws in the country right I think it was like the is that the six weeks heart bill right uh, in Alabama yeah, yeah. so yeah. I mean but, there, there are women who also agree with us too but um, but you, you had a great question so um, the, the question becomes when it's talking about poverty like I don't I don't want people in poverty that's why I'm glad that we have a very strong economy right now um, it's also why um, I was a little horrified when uh, one of the Democratic presidential candidates talked about restricting tax-exempt statuses from churches who would specifically be there to help the people that are in those situations. The people that I know, people who are in my church, who help orphans and kids who are on the street. But at the same time, I would not, like, if, if, if this was a pushing daisy situation where I could just touch somebody and they would die, I would not walk up to a kid and take his life because he's poor. I can't be the judge of what determines life. Like you, you wouldn't uh, take away the life of somebody who was in poverty because they're in poverty, would you? No. Okay. So, like, I'm trying you, to connect go ahead. what you're saying. No. Yeah. To. So, like, I'm I'm saying that all life is value. Poor, rich. Wealthy, black, white, yellow, red, doesn't matter. What matters is that the life has value, and I am not somebody who, would, who can take that life away. That's not my right to do. But you had a great question, and I want to thank you for it, so thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time, and I think you guys are very knowledgeable, but also very narrow-minded. Thank you. Clap back. Oh, everyone loves this. Okay. I like the okay. spunk, by the way. I do like this. This is our last event. comment or question of the last night. Question. We're five minutes over, so. Sweet. Let's yeah. go, Will. Oh, my bad. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, I kind of want to shift gears and shift the uh, uh, topic. Domestic policies, oh, yeah, from the U.S. and talk about international politics. How do you guys feel about U.S. foreign intervention, especially when it comes to meddling other countries' election and backing, like, coup d'etats against politicians that we don't agree with? Like, if you look up, like, Operation Condor from 1950s, I guess, to the 80s, to the 70s, the CIA had backed um, uh, what's called coup d'etats and overthrew left-wing governments and reinstalled dictatorships such as, like, in Chile with Pinochet, where uh, we overthrew Allende or Allendo. Uh, it starts with an A, yeah, I forgot. And we saw Pinochet as a right wing dictatorship. Because of that, as we, if you look through history, he had killed like thousands of dissidents and made many people disappear. Like, how do you guys, uh, basically, I'm pretty sure, how do you guys feel about US foreign intervention when it comes to that kind of stuff? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like uh, U.S. foreign intervention where we don't need to be. I don't like us being the world's police. I don't like the fact that we destabilized the region that led to Gaddafi's death and then destabilized that region anymore. I, I think the Iraq war was a mistake even though I think it was done on good intentions. I think that we've gotten a lot of problems that we shouldn't have had because we decided to stray outside our borders and be international police, which is not the function of the U.S. That's my answer. 
and okay, so my answer to that is yes. I, I don't I don't believe in intervention when it's things like uh, you know like Libya and like Benghazi, right? Those are bad, right? They just ended up bad. We shouldn't have been involved in their elections, right? But you also have to think like my parents wouldn't be here if America didn't interfere with the Philippines when the Japanese uh, invaded our, my parents' country, right? So I, I believe that the government should definitely. Uh, look at what they're doing and get more intelligence on it before we interfere in something. But I mean, I'm all for like intervention in countries that where people are running from communism, Hong Kong. running from horrible socialism. What's Hong that? Kong. Yeah, and Hong Kong, right? And where people's God-given rights are being taken away, right? And I believe that we should interfere with those kind of things because nobody else has the capacity or the resources to help those countries out, you know? And we also have to think about all the other countries who are uh, looking to invade those countries, right? So they let those things happen because once they get to a point where they don't have enough resources to support themselves, other countries are going to move in and invade those countries, yeah. right? So America should definitely be looking at that and definitely be getting intelligence on that. I definitely think that that's something that we should do. Oh, yeah, I also want to continue. What about like when it comes to, um, what is it, um, like meddling or countries like such as what if you guys have heard what happened in Bolivia with the Evo Morales guy no uh, basically what's happening in Bolivia right now is that uh, there's like a protest going on because uh, the left-wing president Evo Morales he uh, he had an election he had an election was it re recently which goes against his terms just like present both sides but people voted for him and but but, but the problem was was the OAS which is the organization of Amer American states is like a it's a collection of uh, it's kind of like an organization of states in Americas and they put a report saying like the election was fraudulent election was this and that and like a lot of corruption happened and because of that that kind of added uh, gave a reason for the opposition party to come and uh, was it come and like kick Ivan Morales out, out and right now he's uh, in the slime of Mexico because uh, he Ivan Morales he got attacked by many U.S. politicians for being like, too left-wing or too socialist or what have you. So I, I kind of want to ask, like, should, where, where do you guys would draw a line when it comes to, like, intervening in other countries' policies, which have economic policies vastly different than ours? And again, that, that goes back to, like, intervention. But, like, let, let me ask you a question. Like, let's say Vladimir Putin, right? Let's say somebody challenged him and they had an election and they won. Right? They, they beat Vladimir Putin, they want to reverse his policies, they want to go against him, right? <coughs> now, what happens when Putin says, well, you're not, taking, uh, you're not taking my place? Does that directly affect the United States? Well, of course it does. Yeah. So, the question is going to be, what countries do we intervene in and why? So, I'm not blanket against never intervening because it, some things directly affect us. I mean, look at uh, Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela. Look at what happened to, to, to them. Um, and that was us like trying to go against Maduro, but then it created all these refugees and everything yeah. else, and a lot of them went to the United States. There's a, lot, there's a lot of countries that directly affect the United States. Israel's one of them um, in the Middle East, and we have um, a bunch of other countries. but. The question becomes, when do we intervene? Why do we intervene? We need a good reason to intervene and we need a goal. If we don't have a goal, we shouldn't intervene. Thank you, Will. That's all the questions I had. Thank you. And thank everybody for coming. Thank We're you guys for your Thanks questions. There are a lot of good questions. Thank you. You have a good day.
Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.